You are listening to Noted, a music and beer podcast hosted by Jeff Burns and Brian Duggar and produced by The Blade. Hi there, it's Brian Duggar from the Toledo Blade. I'm here with my buddy uh, Jeff Burns and for episode number three. And today, Jeff, we're kind of hanging out at Mommy Bay Brewing Company, Toledo's oldest and biggest brewery. And I'm, I'm checking out a Amarillo Brillo, which is a double IPA, about 8.5%. And uh, we're here with Paul Roloff, one of the brewers here at Mommy Bay. Hello, how's it going, everybody? Uh, so, Jeff, what do you what are you drinking today? Right now, I'm having a Glass City Pale Ale, um, you know, which is a uh, 5.7% uh, ABV. And uh, before this, I actually had an Oktoberfest, um, uh, you know, which is actually a uh, uh, 5.9 ABV. And uh, and I actually had to intervene and say, Jeff, don't get the double IPA because you've already had one beer. So slow down, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I, I literally had to tell the uh, uh, the waiter to stop pouring the beer before this, which is, Brian, thank you so much for uh, letting me know about that 8.4%, man. But anyhow, Paul, hey, we're going to talk about IPAs a little bit, and, and people wonder, you know, IPA is the most popular silo beer now, and you go to any bar, and, you know, they usually have at least two, maybe three IPAs, and some of them double IPAs. So really, what is the secret of brewing a good IPA? A good IPA is always going to have a, a serious hop load. Um, a lot. The best IPAs have a very balanced malt characteristic with the with the bitterness and tons of late hops for flavor and aroma. So, like a double IPA that just has what? Just a bunch of more hops than a regular IPA. A double IPA is usually double the hops and double the malt. So, just twice the fun. <laughs> so what actually is like this one's eight and a half percent so why i mean so why is it so much heavier than like a regular ip ipa what gives it that extra alcohol well the alcohol is all malt derived um and like i said yeah twice the grain it's a big beer we for brillo uh we maxed we maximize our system for the grain load and we produce less of the actual beer just tons of grain yeah tons of hops right and you know something i was thinking about paul because you guys actually have four brewers here at mommy bay you know a lot of times a home brewer will start their own brewery but you know this is like a big brewery you know i mean you you pretty much distribute through a large area so i mean four brewers so if someone's like home brewing at home and and they say you know i'd love to make a profession out of uh, uh brewing you know how would you i mean what would you tell that person how do they go about doing it i would say learn base styles be able to produce beer flavored beer very proficiently and then start to experiment and throw in things that you think might taste unique <laughs> and you're actually saying I mean, it's not all it's all not all a bunch of glory being a brewer you said that when you started here you're actually uh, volunteered yeah i volunteered for probably about four months um basically just proving that i wanted to work and 
I would bring in examples of my own homebrew to show that I also knew how to make beer competently. That's great. I can just imagine like this interview, you just come in with a bunch of beer and say, hey, here, try this. I mean, that's pretty much how that worked. That is all, that is not, that is not inaccurate. Um, we went, actually I went to a friend's house with, it was like a an impromptu brewery party almost um and somehow i got invited as a volunteer guy and i took some of my home brews and um my manager now tasted them and said wow these are really solid like can can you do can you do this more than once <laughs> and yeah uh one of them was a pale ale that i had been that i had made three or four times and pretty much really dialed it in that's great man thanks paul tell you what we're getting ready to head back to uh, the toledo blade down there in downtown toledo and i'm very excited about this because we got the oliver hazard band coming in i mean what a what a cool group i mean they got a huge following and they got a big gig down at bonnaroo here in a couple months so what else can you tell us about them I'm going to have to probably Uber uh, back to the building uh, first off. But uh, so Oliver Hazard, they're a three-piece from uh, Waterville. And uh, they, they literally have only existed for a little over a year right now. Um, they literally only have two songs out, hey C- or, uh, Caesar Knows and uh, Hey Louise. And yet the two songs have only been on Spotify for several months now. And they already have more than 300,000 streams. I think one of them... I I think Caesar knows is actually it might be at the 400,000 mark now uh, which is just incredible and uh, actually um, while we make it over back to the blade uh, here's a here's a little bit from their song Caesar knows Oliver Hazard song Caesar knows. Um, Brian and I are now back at the Blades Building downtown. Five four one North Superior Street. Yes, Toledo. yes, I made it back in the Uber, Brian, <laughs> <laughs> safely. Um, but I called uh, that Uber for you, Jeff. He did. Um, but we're sitting here with Griffin, Devin, and Mike um, of Oliver Hazard, and I just want to say uh, thanks so much for taking time out of the day to come talk to us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you very much. And you guys just got off work. Uh, literally Devin has Toledo public schools lanyard on Griffin. You, I know you do sales. Appreciate you, you know, getting off work and coming down here to do this. I know. Cause everybody thinks, oh, they're a, a pretty well-known band. You know, they probably don't have real jobs, but you guys all have full-time jobs, yeah, right? Know, that's for sure. <laughs> Except for this guy. Yeah. <laughs> he works hard though. Yeah. I actually, uh, Mike runs the day-to-day operation. Yeah. <laughs> 
modestly work to keep the house, and then you know, I live in my parents' basement and yeah, well. save money. Mike, you're actually out in uh, was it? It was you that was out in San Francisco, right? Yeah, I was, and then in end of November, I I kind of cut ties, got rid of the apartment, got rid of the job, and then moved home and kind of decided to go ahead first on this. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about uh, you guys practicing? So, okay, to give people a heads up here uh, for those listening. Um, so back in January, it was announced that you guys, Oliver Hazard, were uh, are going to be playing Bonnaroo, um, the uh, Music and Arts Festival down in Tennessee in June, which I think that you're, uh, it's going to be June 7th is when you guys are going to be um, your set time. And I think that's 9.30? 9.30 p.m. Yeah. yeah. Um, and back in January, when you guys, uh, invited me over to, um, your house in Waterville, you guys had only practiced for, or played, I think a total of like four shows at that point. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about, um, practicing cause you guys had only existed for a, as a band for only a year at that point too. But tell me a little bit about you being in San Francisco, Mike and mm-hmm. Devin and Griffin, uh, being back here in Ohio. Like what was that like as far as, uh, practicing? It was a little frustrating, um, but also exciting at the same time that things were working um, in our favor without actually having to do much work. But at the same time, we kind of struggled as artists because we weren't able to um, really get better at our craft because we weren't able to play together. So we had this like group of 10 songs uh, at the time, which is going to be the album that we're releasing in June. And every time I'd come home, we'd have to like, just play every single day for five days right before that one show that we booked while I was home. Um, And it was almost like we were starting from scratch every time I'd get back. Um, But now since I've been home, you know, we've been, we've written like another 30 songs. Wow. wow. We just have like, we're just spilling out. (laughs) 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 Well, Oh, Devin or Griffin, I mean, how did you guys even get together? I mean, you guys, long-time friends, you known each other for um, a while? Well, Devin and I went to high school together, one year separated, um, played on, like, flag football teams together. All right. What's uh, the high school around yeah, here? Oh, okay. uh, yeah, we went to Anthony Wayne. Oh, okay. Hmm. So, um, both grew up in Waterville, or just outside of Waterville in Devin's mm-hmm. case. Um, and uh, we really didn't hang out much in high school at all, uh, kind of ran with different crowds. Um, and then uh, sometime in college, Devin was uh, playing with uh, another act and invited me to come try out. And um, he was a singer, so yeah. uh, he was he was a singer, the only one that I knew of at least. Yeah, we just kind of took off from there, and we haven't really. There's always been hiccups, and we're not going to play anymore, or whatever the case is. But we always found a way to keep our working little relationship, music-wise, together. Um, and yeah, then we met Mike, and it was just like kind of like the third piece of the puzzle, or another two for him, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So tell me a little bit about. Okay, so you meet Mike, um, and tell me a little bit about the. Uh, I mean, that was you guys entered that contest, right? Was that right around that time? I mean, how long did you know Mike before then? I knew Mike for a while prior to that. Um, we kind of jammed around, but him being in San Francisco for so long and living in his roots there, like we'd get together, we'd jam a little bit, temporary, and then, yeah, and then that was it. Um, it was maybe like a couple years that we, you know, a, year, a couple years prior in which we were introduced, um, but we weren't like that close in terms of, you know, friends. We just kind of knew each other as like musicians and had some mutual friends. 
thought we were friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think like closer to that time, maybe that last year, we we became like closer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Texted a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then <laughs> that's a sign of friendship. We like text message. Um, and then yeah, and then I think it was that like Chicago trip we took together when I was home that one weekend for St. Patty's Day. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that kind of. Uh, yeah, we went out yeah, to glued we it drove together, together uh, to go see another mutual friend of ours that mm-hmm. was living in Chicago at the time. Yeah, um, and yeah, that's probably right where it uh, kicked off. And then nine months later, we wrote the album. So, and you guys won like a uh, a two song recording deal, right? That's right. Yeah, but, with Bigfoot but, Studios. But the funny story I heard about that is then you guys go in there and say, "Okay, we got two songs, but we're going to sing all ten of them straight together." That's right. So, yeah. <laughs> tell, tell me about <laughs> that. Honestly, like our songs are all about two minutes and thirty seconds yeah, long. So. It, you know, in total, the recording time was probably like for the album is like twenty three minutes. Which oh is, wow. wow! For most bands, that's like four or five songs, but for us, it was ten. But yeah, it, it, according to the studio, it was easier to to do what we did for him than for one band to re- tip, a typical right, band it was to record one less song. Work for him, just considering all he had to do was just set up three microphones. Went to town and let's record. Was, uh, yeah, let's record. Or well, we want to do that one again. Okay, delete, record. <laughs> that was it. You know. Now you guys actually have an album coming out in June. Is that from this recording session? It's yeah. the exact one. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, instruments that you used um, for. I mean, there's even parts on it where you're literally kicking a suitcase That's as correct. a for a kick drum. Yeah, we didn't have. Uh, well, so basically, when when we formed, we didn't really have instruments we had a guitar at the time uh that was missing a couple strings and that's what we started writing on and that was that was like kind of like the base where we were like we knew this you know we had something we had songs we had tunes and melodies but we needed like a little bit more we were usually just stomping our foot on the ground and we're like well let's get something more legit than the ground (laughs) so we got a suitcase which was like a step up (laughs) and i found one in my attic and i had a nice kick pedal because i used to uh, play the drums when i was younger and then um devin and griffin have been collecting like like the inside of their house it looks like a like a kindergarten um music room (laughs) you know where there's just like all of these like toys like kazoos recorders little plastic tambourines and shakers. It looks like a bunch of 12-year-olds just, like, ransacked the music room at your local kindergarten. And they have, like, instruments everywhere. In a, but they also have, like, really nice instruments as well. But they just found, you know, a couple. They, like, we had, like, a glockenspiel, which is a little bell set, um, and, like, a couple of shakers and tambourines, and Griffin brought his kazoo over. And we <laughs> like, threw all of those and layered them. Um, or we all kind of, like, took turns. Devin's... He used to play drums before he played guitar, so right, right. he was able to just spitball a, a yeah. quick drum yeah, part. Yeah, yeah. So, so like on Caesar knows what kind of instruments were used in that song? Just uh, the broken guitar, uh, <laughs> the um, uh, tambourine, a shaker, and then that kick drum, mm-hmm. um, the suitcase. suitcase. Yeah, and then our, it's vocally driven though. So, totally. right. the whole first album is definitely vocally driven. That's mm-hmm. the best part about it. Yeah. It's simple, but I think the point of for us, it's just like um, it's like we want people to be able to sing, and we don't want them to have to sit there and have to really learn the words. You know right. I mean, like it's really quick. If you listen to it for a couple of days, you're gonna be able to know the words because it's right. a two-minute song. Right. And that's the best thing. You go to a show, 
you know, everyone can sing. Doesn't matter how long you're playing. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, when you bring up the broken guitar, so I saw you guys play. Oliver Hazard just played at um, Culture Clash Records here in Toledo um, for Record Store Day last weekend, and uh, I noticed this on your guitar, the acoustic. Uh, when I was back at the house in uh, January, but it's missing the. So when you have on a guitar, there's six strings. So you have the low E, the A, D, G, B, E, uh, high E string. But it's missing the low E and the A. That's are those correct. two strings? <laughs> but I noticed that you still, th- those were still missing on the guitar. Uh, right. Yeah. Last weekend. Yeah. So I just so the way it goes is well. First of all, I I never really knew how to play the guitar. Um, in recent history, I was always like a drummer and a pianist as a young kid. In college, I learned how to play the banjo, which is like predominantly like a, the root of that is just four strings. It's right, like right. an extra small one. Right. Um, and I got really um, a lot better at finger picking on a banjo. And then all of a sudden, I picked up this four string guitar at my parents' house. It was really just a six string classical that was missing two strings. Um, and all of a sudden I was like, I felt like I was at home. I was like, Oh, this poor string. I'm just like finger picking like I'm like a banjo. And that's almost, that's basically how Caesar knows came about as I, uh, you know, just started finger picking this four string guitar. (laughs) Yeah. And since then I never really saw the utility in adding two more strings. I thought it sounded (laughs) fine. Just the way. (laughs) You guys have such a unique sound. Who are you influenced by? Personally, I'm influenced by like Crosby, Stills and Nash. Um, my dad's a huge Jim Croce fan. Yeah. Um, love Bob Dylan, America. Yeah, anything um, Americana. Yeah, the band. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, there's some more modern bands like. Uh, Mike's, yeah, Mike's some more like. He, not that it's a great thing. It's a good envelope because Griffin's more like the golden golden years of like 40s, 50s, 60s. <laughs> not not all, <laughs> all together, but he likes, he likes newer stuff too. Favorite artist is like early Stevie Wonder. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know I climb kind of in between that. I like a lot of, really, with both of them, like, mm-hmm. they usually find it first. I'll go that all right. way. Yeah. Uh, all right. But we all have our own influences, and that's what makes it different. Yeah. Something also, like, seeing you guys live as well, um, you guys are, you guys switched playing instruments like you, like, Mike gave Devin the acoustic with the missing strings, and then Devin played it. And then I look at, or uh, Griffin played it, and then over at, um, and then Devin, you picked up a guitar, and I didn't know that you were a lefty. Yeah. Um, which I'm assuming is pretty difficult to find a guitar. Uh, it's not the easiest thing. They are out there, <laughs> but uh, it yeah. is. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. more convenient to sell instruments that we don't need yeah. because there are no other lefties who are looking for yeah, banjos. Especially or... if it's at all discreet or like obscure. It's like, just like keep it at home. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to sell this even if I give you 30 bucks. You know? <laughs> so, but yeah, no, we're we're getting to the point where we're becoming more comfortable with each other and playing together, which is something that you just can't, um, you can't pay for. Right. You know, experience is something that you need to do together all the time, especially at this point in the band. Right. And we're really doing that right now, which is really refreshing. Right. I mean, tell, tell me the Bonnaroo story. I mean, here you guys haven't been together that long. Then all of a sudden you get a call that, hey, how would you like to play Bonnaroo? After only playing four shows? After yeah. four shows? I mean, that's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was it was kind of dumb luck in a way. Um, so after we wrote the album, I actually um, I, I moved away. Right. And while I was gone, I sent the album to like as many people as I knew in the music industry. And during that, I was able to connect with uh, booking agents. And at that time, we we had like 
a video a videographer would come out and film this play live and we also had a few songs on Spotify that were doing well and the booking agents basically just you know I mean I'm sure there's plenty of booking agents out there that send these reels to Mm. Bonnaroo but I think they just honestly we have no idea why they liked our music or why (laughs) they chose us but uh, I'm assuming that it had something to do with um, just like how palatable some of these these singles are and you got really cool videos. I mean, both those videos are really yeah. cool. Andrew Kaiser is our yeah, videographer. Top notch. Yeah. 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 He does a lot of bigger projects than us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, another question I had for you, too, was uh, so when you guys do, I mean, are you guys, when you guys uh, play on that first day on June 7th, um, and I know you guys' set is at 9 30 at night, but um, are you guys planning on staying there the entire uh, four days, is it? Unfortunately, we're not. I don't think we've we've prepped. We're starting to like schedule. Basically, so gr- coming back to the work situation, um, we're using about every single <laughs> vacation day that Griffin has huh. for this uh, little trip. Because a week later, we're actually playing at another festival called Mountain Jam up in upstate New York. Yeah, and we're basically going to link those together with like a mini tour because <laughs> we really don't have the luxury of touring right now because. Uh, a, we don't really have uh, like the finances to be able to do that, and B, um, we're still rooted here in Toledo, so this is kind of our only chance this summer to like get a pretty good like twelve day tour in. And we're right. gonna try to link it up with like meeting other radio stations and um, <clears throat> maybe like try to meet up with like Spotify's office in Nashville and and just link it up with a couple shows. I think we're, we might be playing a show in New York City on our way up. Wow, nice. And then we'll finish off at Mountain Jam, and then on, on Monday we'll be back here. And uh. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the Oliver Hazard uh, tour bus look like at this point? That you're <laughs> it's taking actually parked, down to... parked right outside. <laughs> <laughs> that you're taking, I mean, so what's the trip going to be like down to Tennessee? It's a Subaru Highland. It's a Thirty-eight thousand miles. Jeez. Wow! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, you guys got other gigs this uh, summer, like Kansas. You're mm-hmm. playing in Kansas. Yeah, yeah, we're at, yeah. That'll, That'll be next month. Actually. It's a cool bluegrass festival. Mm-hmm. Bunch of big. Uh, they're not actually bluegrass bands, to be honest. They're up. They're like more jam bands. Like Green yeah. Sky Bluegrass is probably the only. Yeah. Devil Makes Three, but right. it's like a lot of like cult following bands. But we're kind mm. of excited for that one because those all those groups have like huge followings yeah like people love them they like die hard but um the thing with bonnaroo is uh, i mean eminem's gonna be there the killers muse future paramore manchester orchestra and brian uh brothers osborne are gonna be there brothers osborne yeah yeah jeff loves country music (laughs) (laughs) i hope you can sense the sarcasm in that but um i mean just what is it like being a new band you know just knowing that you're on the same bill. I mean, obviously, I know you're not playing the same day right. as... Uh, it's cool, uh, but that's really about... It's like that. I don't picture we're going to go there and even be among them, really. Like, it's a whole... whole uh, it's, it looks good on paper, and then, but we also know the realistics of what it, it's going to be. You know? So we always joke that, um, whatever, this might not be true, but we're on the second to last line. We won't meet anybody above, like, the sixth to last line. <laughs> <laughs> Um, who knows? I mean, anything can happen, but yeah. it, it, it is like a it's a like a nice like bucket list type thing. Looking at the paper, but like if mm-hmm. I had to explain it to like family down the line, like 
<laughs> but you guys are getting serious momentum at this point. I mean, yeah. a couple of your videos, what on Spotify is like over. Yeah. So Caesar knows. I checked today. Yeah. And uh, it's over. It's I mean, it's well over four hundred thousand mm-hmm. streams now. Um, hey, Louise is over three hundred. I think it's like three, three twenty yeah. or something. Yeah. They're, they're moving pretty well. Yeah. So how's that word getting out there? Basically, we were lucky to get um, on some playlists on Spotify. That's like one big thing uh, these days. It's really hard to move your music, um, especially like physically on like CDs. But with online streaming, if you get the chance to you know have folks like your music they start throwing you on their personal playlists and some of these playlists have hundreds of thousands of followers every day who listen to them um so they can move pretty fast pretty quickly so yeah, it's a new world music wise mm-hmm. i mean i'm still learning so much just how music grows nowadays to where you know when it did whenever i was you know 10 years ago mm-hmm. yeah you know, it's completely different and mm-hmm. you can it's like everything's social status now. Everything's mm-hmm. like as big as you are on the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, you can be huge, but if you don't have any followers, it's like yeah. Mm-hmm. You guys well, push you never ever do that before. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Yeah, right. you guys pushing social media. Who's the social media yeah. guy here? Yeah, so Mike Mike is yeah yeah. So Mike, tell us how people can uh, follow you and yeah. So you can find us at uh, so our handle is at Ollie Hazard. Basically for everything, it's O L I Hazard kind of like our shortened nickname of right. basically because Oliver Hazard was taken already. Uh, hmm. I think there's like a big uh, boat, you know, it's like an old big boat. Uh, yeah. It's like an old, like, like it's like the SS Ollie Hazard, Oliver Hazard. And know. he's got an amazing Twitter account. Yeah, right. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Ollie Hazard and our website's oliehazard.com. So it's kind of worked in our favor because people yeah. have started calling us Ollie Hazard as like a yeah. more of like a nickname. So it's kind of cool. So yeah, and Instagram and all yep, that stuff. Instagram, yeah. Twitter. Yep. So Facebook. yeah, you know, one other thing I want to ask you before we start to wrap this up. You you said that you just uh, recorded or not recorded, but you wrote about thirty songs. So I mean, what's the whole writing process like for you guys? You just crack open some beers and just kind of throw words out there, or what? Um, it just depends. So someone starts with a seed um, of an idea, of a riff or a melody. Um, just literally yesterday, Mike and I were sitting down on my lunch break. I went over and we kind of wrote one. Um, mm-hmm. So it basically, it starts just with an idea, and then everybody kind of just pushes it into the same direction. Mm-hmm. puts their two cents or three or four or five cents. Yeah, on it. yeah. Right. And uh, it kind of just grows into a song that we all have our hands in. Right. And I think it's important that we all, you feel like we take ownership over the song or mm-hmm. we wouldn't want to play it. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, how about Caesar Knows? I mean, how'd that come about? So that's... And who's Caesar? Yeah, right. <laughs> so we have a joke uh, that, so we have a, the, our, one of our favorite places to, to get like a margarita before practice is uh, uh, Cucino de Carlos in Waterville and the oh, yeah, bar manager yeah. there or actually the manager of the restaurant is mm-hmm. his name is Cesar oh <laughs> <laughs> and for a while we thought his name was actually Caesar um, <laughs> so we would always be like hey Caesar this is written about you and then finally one day he was like Guys, my name is Cesar. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. Well, still well we're not, we can't change it now. It's hilarious. Um, actually, we're going to go into a song right now. Hey, Louise, um, if you guys could just tell, tell us um, a little bit about that song and how it kind of sort of came together.
Yeah, that one that one was one that we were always kind of like uncertain about. I think uh, Mike had the seed for that one. Um, just the idea of it. Actually, he wanted to scrap it like halfway into the song and haven't convinced him. And that was one of my favorite songs. Like, there's a couple songs. It was like we go through phases where like you have a day where you don't play it very well, and you're just like, I don't want to have that song anymore. I don't want to. I don't want to be part of it. Whatever. And I was like, No, I'm singing it like or humming it at work or whatever it is, you know. To the point, I was like, No, we're gonna keep it. We're just gonna play it, and then it ended up being, you know, one of our better songs. Yeah. But it's, that was something that it's, it's one of those things that if I write a song personally. I overanalyze it mm-hmm. easily, more easily than what Mike would. Where he'd be like, "No, that's a great song. I love that song." He mm-hmm. has to hear the holes in it. Right. I think that's all that really was. Yeah, and I remember the first time we actually played it. It was in my kitchen, and um, Devin, who never actually plays the Glockenspiel, was playing it, and he was playing that. <laughs> um, and so I don't know. We just we kind of all threw our two cents on that one to polish it up, and um, and that was actually the song we had least prepped for at this recording so there are parts of the song even if you listen really closely it almost sounds like like some of us aren't even saying the right words we're almost just we're almost just like humming the melody but like someone else knew the lyric so we were all like really struggling to like sing the lyrics because we didn't you know know them by heart at this point because we had written it like or finished writing it just a couple days before oh, yeah, there are lyric sheets in front of us at and we'd never be able to re-record this song the way that we did it because it was just it's just that it was that new we didn't know it very well we were singing it in a way that was almost like shaky and uncertain and now we're just almost too tight on it you know like we're too (laughs) we know it too well you know yeah yeah definitely awesome well uh this is hey louise by oliver hazard That was Hey Louise by Oliver Hazard. Uh, Brian and I just want to say um, thanks again for stopping by. You guys, this was awesome. Uh, Seriously, I know you guys are really busy, and uh, we do appreciate this. Um, But Brian's going to tell us a little bit about our uh, guests for next week. Yeah, thanks again, guys. And I'm really excited to follow your career, and I'm really 
excited about see where this all turns out. So thanks for having us. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, pretty excited about next week too. We're gonna have Robert and Becky Hunter stop by. They are on the uh, relapse and revival tour. Uh, Becky Jeff, one day she had uh, been diagnosed with cancer, and a really really bad cancer. And her uh, her husband asked her, you know. If, you know, tomorrow you have the surgeries, it turns out bad, what then? And she said, basically, you know what? I want to see every every state. I want people to hear your music. And he's also got a book out, so I want you to get your book out there and publish it. So, yeah, so they've be, got an incredibly inspiring story, and uh, yeah, it can be really yeah. cool to talk to him. Yeah, it'll be really, really interesting. They're traveling to 50 states in 52 weeks, so it'll be a good conversation. Yep. So that'll be episode four, but for now, that's episode three. It's a wrap, and uh, thank you guys for all listening. We'll talk to you next week. Cool. All right. All right. Thanks, Thanks for having us, y'all. All right. I'll walk you guys out. Great.